golf and rock and roll. Not logical, but it is fascinating. Playing down that big old fairway. Don't want no hackers to get in my way. The boys and me got a big NASA going. We were born to drive. It's the Golf Insiders, giving you the inside scoop on all things golf. Now, here are your Golf Insiders on 740 The Game. And it is 6.02 in Orlando. Hopefully the uh, fairways of I-4 will stay relatively dry because uh, otherwise uh, we're going to have to stay cart paths only. Uh, this is Jeff Shane uh, with PGATour.com and PrimeSportsNetwork.com. Uh, and uh, we're going to go solo tonight. Holly G is having a, uh, a, a, a bit of a health issue, fell under the weather, spoke to her earlier today, and uh, the coughing would not be uh, pretty on the radio. So we will try and uh, fill the fairways for the next hour. Uh, fortunately, Holly set me up with a pretty good uh, set of Guests, so we'll have Bob, Bob Herrig from our friend from ESPN uh, coming in in uh, just a few minutes, uh, along with Steve Eubanks, who was out at the Women's PGA Championship. Don't call it the LPGA Championship, but the Women's PGA Championship up uh, in Westchester, New York. Uh, we'll talk to Mike Jameson, the executive director of the International Network of Golf, ING. We'll recap a little bit of the uh, conference that uh, we had out at Mission Inn last week managed to dodge some raindrops and get some golf in and uh, lance ringler the assistant editor of golf week uh we will visit with him kind of wrap up the college game uh last week we had the men's championship with lsu uh winning their first national championship uh since uh, the 1950s and uh some more uh, compelling match play golf uh, the men have done it now for six, seven, eight years. The, this was the women's first year, and they had a great first year uh, in the match play. In, in fact, their championship match between Stanford and Baylor uh, went to extra holes. So a lot going on. We had uh, David Lingmurth win the Memorial Tournament uh, in a adventurous playoff uh, with uh, Orlando's own Justin Rose. Uh, more adventurous for Justin than for David. I think that's what spelled the difference. Um, and uh, we can always talk uh, about what's wrong with, with Tiger Woods. I'm sure we will as uh, we uh, get ready to welcome in Bob Herrig, our friend from uh, ESPN.com. How are you doing, Bob? It's just you and me tonight. Good. Good. Okay, Jeff. Yes, yeah, sorry to hear that. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm hanging in. I am hanging in. Uh, uh, you were up at Memorial and uh, witness to everything that was going on. I guess at this point we are... Eight days, seven and a half days from the first tee shot, the U.S. Open at Chambers Bay. What, uh, what, what is creating more buzz for you? Uh, is it the questions about Chambers Bay, or is it the questions about what happened to Tiger last weekend? <laughs> yeah, you know, I think in the aftermath, it's it's still the Tiger. Although as we get uh, the Tiger questions, although as we get closer, I know it's going to turn more to Chambers Bay. I think. You know, what what that did is pretty much effectively eliminate any talk of him being a factor next week. I mean, stranger things have happened, but uh, 
you know, it's um, you know, you step back from that now, and and you wonder if that was maybe even a bit of a wake up call for him. Um, you know, I think he lulled himself and maybe some of us into thinking that things were pretty good the way he played at the Masters. Uh, obviously, it was a, a a pretty good performance considering where he had been. Uh, but he's only played twice in the two months since. And there's some question about how much effort he put in you when you see the way he's played. Um, you know, so um, I think he maybe realizes there's a lot of work to be done. Uh, some of his comments, if you read between the lines, suggest that he, he even acknowledges that, that, you know, these swing changes take time. And talking like everything's okay is, isn't going to fly, especially when you do what he did. 85 Saturday, 302 is highest 72 hole score ever. You know, it uh, it just adds up to a, to a lot of negativity surrounding his game at the moment. Yeah, and and, and a lot of shock uh, on the part of uh, of casual golf fans. And I mean, we've seen Tiger go through swing changes before and we've even seen tiger go through a winless season in the middle of swing changes i believe he did not win at all during calendar year 2004 when he was uh when he when he was doing work with with uh with hank haney but uh or was it 2003 one of the one of the two yeah i think he won i think he won once that year and it might have been the match play and that was it but you're right i mean he won one uh, there maybe it was '98 where he only won once and maybe didn't win at all in '04, but it was it was bleak. You know when he when he was winking the changes with Butch, that was in the '98 time frame, and uh, you know it's funny to remember now, but in '99 when he got to the PGA and he only had the one major and really hadn't contended much, uh, you know in in the others, you know there was a lot of questions about him, and then of course he went on that run and he played incredible through 2002 and then he switched to Hank and there was a down period 204 2004 was the main one and starting in 05 through 09 you know six majors 30 something 31 tour wins and then again with Sean Foley you know he didn't win at all in 2010 and 11 he won late in the year in 11 at the at the uh at Sherwood at his foundation mm-hmm. event and then had a pretty good run again. You know, he got to number one. He won nine times worldwide worldwide in over, a little over two years, player of the year. And so then he switches again after all the back problems last year. And, you know, I think maybe we're a little naive to think, okay, you change coaches in October, November time frame, and you're going to be okay in January, February, March. You know, I mean, his history has not shown that. It is. It has always been a couple of steps backward to move forward. But when he gets it, he's usually pretty good. You know, the question now is, will he get it? I guess the other question is, do does he have the patience for it? And more perhaps, do we have the patience for it? Because I don't recall the alarm sounding quite as loudly uh, when he was changing with Hank or, or he was changing with Sean Foley as it seems to be now. I don't think there was quite the the... the, the bad play that you're seeing yeah the numbers when, are... when there was yeah when those changes were made i mean you know he wasn't winning as much but he wasn't awful you know he's been awful he's played five tournaments here and he's been awful in three of them and he wasn't real good in the players either you know yeah. so um that's part of it and certainly i i think among the masses there's way less patience i mean you hear it again 
you know, why doesn't he go back to Butch? I mean, that argument is hilarious to me. It's not happening. You know, it, it was 13 years ago that that they parted ways. I mean, that's just not going to happen. You know, and uh, you know, I, I, there is there is a lack of patience. There is this expectation that it should happen immediately. In the back of his mind, though, I think he knows that's not the case. And he, his comments over the weekend suggested that he's willing to stay the course. You know, he said Sunday, I had to go through what I did yesterday to get to where I want to be. In other words, I think he felt, I think he was trying to say, you know, he could have tried to just band-aid it through and, and get it around and done a lot better, but that wouldn't be working on the new swing. And he wants to get used to the new swing. And to do that, he needs to, you know, he's going to hit some bad shots. So, uh, you know, patience, does he have enough of it? I mean, he seems to. Um, and, uh, you know, it's probably there's, the, the thing where he's probably not been patient is with some of the injuries he's had over the years. You know, he's probably tried to come back too soon. He's probably tried to do too much. I think that was clearly the case last summer. Uh, you know, he came back from surgery too soon. He should have never played the PGA Championship after he withdrew from uh, the Bridgestone, and you just wonder how much he set himself back with, uh, uh, you know, with, with some of that because uh, you get into bad habits, and and then here we are with another swing coach and trying to do it again. Yeah. Now I, I I've been asked this question twice this week, and it it shocks me a little bit, but I have actually been asked in similar radio situations like this: How long can Tiger put up with it? And do you think he might retire? Are you hearing those questions as silly as they may sound? Uh, the, the first one is, is one I think that's valid. How, do you, how long might he want to put up with it? Uh, the other side of it is, you know, in other words, dealing with mediocrity. Um, you know, like, but, but by that, though, I mean is if he can't deal with it, he's going to make changes. I don't think he's retiring. <laughs> He's got there's too much there's too much out there. I mean, I don't think he wants to go out like this. No. You know, I think he feels that there's another run in him uh and that, you know, in other words, it, it, the time when the golf starts to become less is when he kind of slowly fades away. You know, when he's not quite as drastically bad as he is right now. Uh and you know, we've seen that with so many players. I mean, who retires? You know, I mean, nobody, Jack, Arnie, those guys didn't really retire. As much as they said they were going to, you know, Jack played more in his early 50s than he did, you know, in his early 40s. He was playing in majors on both tours. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, you know, I'm not sure Tiger's going to be a Champions Tour guy, but I I, I could see him certainly thinking right now, I've got another really five or six solid good years, and there's no reason why I can't be competitive at 50. Yeah. Uh, so, and you know, there's other things in play too. What about his sponsors? I don't care how much money you have. You still want to make money. Uh, you know, if he stops playing, all that stuff dries up. And, uh, so, you know, I, I think, I think the retirement angle is, is, uh, is pretty far-fetched. Moving, uh, moving away from Tiger in, in, in the remaining time, what did, what was your takeaway from, uh, from the memorial and, uh, and how does this set up now? Because pretty much all the big names, with the exception of Phil and Dustin Johnson, pretty much all the big names, that was their last go-round before Chambers Bay. What do you, what do you take away from last week, and, and how does it flow into next? 
you know, I'm not sure it means much. Um, you know, I'm just not sure that that form on that golf course or even any of the recent ones is going to matter much uh, at Chambers Bay. I mean, certainly I think you want your game to be there. You know, I think that bodes well for Jordan Spieth. Mm-hmm. It doesn't hurt Justin Rose. Um, you know, but I don't think I'd be too worried about Rory missing the last two cuts when he had one, two of the three events before that. Uh, you he know, really the needed rest so, anyway. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's right. And, uh, you know, the, the golf course is so unique and different that uh, it's just really hard to know what, what's going to work there. Uh, you know, it seems like a good attitude's imperative. seems like doing your homework is really important. Um, but as we've seen, you know, you can know a, a golf course better than the next guy. If you're not hitting it on the club face and you're not chipping and putting, it's not going to matter much. So, um, you know, I... Uh, and I wouldn't put too much stock into Phil having a bad weekend at the Memorial, um, and, uh, just as I wouldn't put too much into uh, Rory having the bad go at uh, you know the last two European Tour events he played. And you know Jordan Spieth playing well helps uh, certainly. That's good for him. But uh, you know it's all different next week. And uh, uh, yeah, I, I I would not be surprised. If there weren't a few names up there that nobody would even be thinking about, you know, it just sort of the way it works at the U.S. Open. Yeah, and I, and I tend to agree. I think there will be perhaps multiple under the radar guys that uh, that we see on that weekend leaderboard at Chambers Bay. Bob, we appreciate uh, you stopping in uh, as always, and uh, I'm sure you're getting ready for that trip up to the Northwest. Enjoy the U.S. Open. We'll catch up with you later. Sounds good, Jeff. Thanks for having me. Take care, Bob. And uh, that's uh, that was Bob Herrig of ESPN.com. You can always catch his uh, material on, on that website. Uh, we're going to take a break, and then when we come back, we'll have Steve Eubanks uh, with the Global Golf Post. He is at the LPGA Major this week, the Women's PGA Championship. We'll be right back. Quite an impact, actually, uh, when he sank that three iron and hit me in the back of the head. I can't believe I'm into this. I really hate to lose. Asking forgiveness. And welcome back to the Golf Insiders here on 740 The Game. Uh, This is Jeff Shane uh, with PGATour.com and PrimeSportsNetwork.com. Subbing, uh, or actually just moving over from the co-captain's seat to the captain's seat. Holly is under the weather uh, this week. I had to call in. um, So the alternate. Well, I don't know what you call it. I'm not, I haven't been al- the alternate of late, but uh, we're going we're gonna, to uh, continue to run uh, with a one ball here uh, this uh, tonight. Um, and uh, we talked uh, with Bob Herrig of ESPN.com uh, earlier, talked about Tiger Woods, talked about the U.S. Open coming up. But actually, we have two other majors that are taking place this week. Uh, on the Champions Tour, they get back into their major mode. They have, it's a stretch that I never understand every time I look at the schedule, but uh, they are in a stretch here where they have four major championships in a five-event stretch. This is major championship number three at the Senior Players Championship up in uh, Massachusetts, and uh, Bernhard Longer is the defending champion up there, although oddly enough, this is the first time in several years that Bernard Longer has not won a Champions Tour event by June, so that will be interesting. And then uh, even more interesting, uh, perhaps, 
is that uh, the LPGA uh, has its second major of the year coming up, and uh, that is uh, the Women's PGA Championship. Uh, not the LPGA Championship. It's been uh, rebranded, reaffiliated, uh, and uh, has a brand new venue at Westchester Country Club. And joining us from Westchester Country Club is Steve Eubanks from Global Golf Post. How you doing, Steve? I'm great, Jeff. Good to, good to talk to you. Uh, sorry, Holly's a little sick, but it's uh, you're, you're doing a magnificent job subbing. <laughs> well, we're we're trying to wing it uh, the best we can, and uh, I, I guess <laughs> in a sense, welcome back because you had uh, some health issues of your own here the last few weeks. Oh, you know, I, I I had a little heart surgery. I guess you know that's a little bit of an oxymoron, you know, a little heart surgery. But uh, I'm much better now. Thank you for asking. It's. Uh, uh, all is good, and I, uh, I I feel uh, feel like ready to hit the course again. No, well, that's good, and and we're glad uh, that you have a chance to go out and hit the course uh, for uh, uh, for the second LPGA major of the year. As as I mentioned uh, a couple of times here already, it's no longer the LPGA Championship; it's the Women's PGA Championship. The PGA of America is involved, and uh, from uh, your viewpoint there on the ground, how different is it? What's new? What's not new? You know, it's a very different uh, field. Uh, there's there's a bit more of a wow factor, I think, um, having gone to the uh, the previous several LPGA championships. Yes, it was bigger than your standard operating tour event, but but it was it was down the priority list of the majors. I mean, if you if you looked at the the quality of the venues, uh, the setup, the uh, uh, just the accoutrements, the, the you know the size of the the hospitality area, the size of the crowds. Um, it was, if, uh, of the five major rotations, it was probably five on the list. Um, so I think that this has elevated and really set the bar, uh, not just for this, the LPGA Championship, now the PGA, the Women's PGA Championship, but for all women's majors. I mean, the, the people from ANA are here, and they're walking around taking notes wow. uh, because of the great job that uh, the PGA and, and KPMG have done in making sure that every little detail is exactly right. Uh, and all of the players that I've spoken to so far have said uh, it has been a tremendous improvement and, uh, and really has set the standard for all other tournaments to aspire to. And, and certainly the uh, PGA of America has plenty of experience in, in putting on big events with uh, the PGA Championship every year and uh, their turn for the Ryder Cup every four years, and so uh, it's good to see that, that some of that is uh, moving into the women's game. And uh, uh, I, I, it also strikes me that uh, perhaps uh, from a big market, small market standpoint, not anything against Rochester, because Rochester has been a solid supporter of the LPGA for decades, but moving to... Uh, the outskirts of New York City, a big media market, I'm guessing that will not hurt the exposure either. Well, it certainly won't hurt from the, uh, from the standpoint that you've got uh, NBC will be covering it, so you do have network television coverage this week. Uh, you've got, uh, you do have all of the major, um, you know, the major New York media outlets are going to be out here. Uh, and Westchester is just a classic old venue. Uh, it's got a lot of history here. It's, it's, it's beautiful. Um, it's one of those courses that just lit, you know, screams major championship when you step on it, uh, and it is set up like a major. I mean, Kerry Haig and the PGA staff uh, have you know made sure that uh, this this has a very U.S. Women's Open feel to it in terms of the uh, uh, the setup and the venue. Oh, that that's good. I, I guess the question with that is, 
uh, how different uh, do you have to be from what your PGA championship set up uh, as compared to something with the LPGA? Well, the good news is this was a collaborative effort between the LPGA and the PGA of America because, you know, it, obviously the fear would be if PGA of America was jumping in here and doing this on their, on their own, not running many women's events, that, that, uh, that they might get that set up wrong. Uh, they didn't. I mean, I, I really feel confident that uh, this is going to be exactly in the sweet spot for a major championship somewhere, single digit under par. Uh, if the wind picks up, uh, you may see some over par rounds. But uh, I don't think anybody gets to double digits here, but it's still going to crown a pretty good champion. Well, that sounds great. And uh, taking a look at uh, at the field, obviously it's a major, so we got all of the big names. But I want to go back to last week for a second and uh, just say how great it was to see Suzanne Pedersen competitive and winning again last week in Canada. And uh, you know that she's as competitive as they come on, on the LPGA and uh, somebody who uh, is always going to be in the thick of a major. Well, you know, I talked to her this afternoon, and, and uh, she, she was as thrilled as I have seen her in a long, long time. Uh, and she, not just because of the win, but just the way you know, she's healthy now, the way her game has progressed, uh, she's been working with Butch Harmon now throughout the throughout the course of the year, and so that relationship has really blossomed. And there's been a lot of you know a, a lot of mutual respect there. She's been able to do some things, she said, uh, but by being with Butch, played around with Bill Mickelson, hanging out with some of Butch's uh, PGA Tour stars uh, that she otherwise would not have been able to do. So it's it's been a tremendous. Uh, advantage for her, and, and she's very, very excited about where she stands right now. Yeah, and uh, Suzanne, of course, uh, a resident uh, of the Orlando area, lives down in the in the Dr. Phillips uh, area, so uh, a very local tie for, for us in Orlando, and, and yet another success story and kind of a short, uh, short turnaround success story for, for Butch Harmon, not that you had to turn around a whole lot, but... Uh, well, no, it was really more, more than anything, it was building her confidence back up and getting her healthy. Mm-hmm. And so it was going back to a number of the things that she had done previously, very naturally, uh, to to try to make sure that you know her body just uh, responded correctly. And and I think that now that she's in, uh, you know, her body is completely healthy and healed, uh, that you're going to see a lot more victories out of Suzanne. Uh, moving on, uh, we've got Lydia Ko, who has been number one in in the world for a little bit, but uh, she's hit a little bit of a flat spot in her season. Three straight starts. Uh, outside the top 15, still looking for her first major. Uh, is this a place where Lydia Ko gets it done? It could be. It could very well be. Um, it certainly is a golf course that suits her game because you're going to, it's going to require a lot of patience and it's going to require a lot of precision uh, with short irons. And that's something that Lydia does extremely well. Uh, she doesn't hit, you know, she does not tremendously long, uh, but she doesn't get in trouble a lot. And uh, she, when you when you get a wedge in her hand, she is going to stiff it close. So I think this this um, this golf course really suits her in that respect. And I think she's rested. You know, she needed she needed to just take a few days and decompress. And uh, you know, she's done that now. She feels recharged. She's ready to get back out there. And uh, outside of those two, as we uh, as we uh, head up into the break here, who else uh, who else do you like this week, Steve? Who's who's showing well? Well, I mean, I would say that Say Young Kim is, is without question one of the hottest players out right now. Two victories already. I mean, she has play, played extremely well uh, at the ANA. Was in the final group. Uh, so I, you know, I believe that that uh, her game is, is going to really blossom. Um, 
you know, don't count Stacey Lewis out. I know she hasn't played well, and she is the honorary host at this event. Uh, but, you know, she is. She keeps telling me, I'm close. I'm really close. Um, you know, we're, we're just we're just a hair off. Uh, and so while her while her finishes haven't really shown that much, I think she's uh, she's primed for a, another breakthrough. Yeah, and and she's got that bulldog mentality that works well in majors too. So anyway, I uh, I appreciate you getting on with us here, Steve. Enjoy the week up at Westchester. I know I'll be uh, very interested to see uh, how this uh, major plays out, and we'll look forward to uh, reading it all in Global Golf Post. It's my first golf read every Monday. Well, thank you so much. It's great to be with you, as always. Thanks again, Steve. And uh, that's uh, Steve Eubanks with Global Golf Post, uh, 6.30 in Orlando. And uh, we're going to break again, and we'll be back with uh, Mike Jamison of the International Network of Golf. This is the Golf Insiders. Hey, Harry, thanks a lot for all the security you provide for us. Well, that's my job to keep all those nuts away from you. That's just the way it is. Don't play in pebble. Won't pay the price. I love my muni. I think it's nice. It good to just make par. Always a good line. Good to just make par. Back on the Golf Insider, supplying you with some of that uh, above average. Uh, broadcasting that was uh, in the promo just before we came back. Uh, my name's Jeff Shane with PGATour.com and PrimeSportsNetwork.com. Uh, Prime Sports Network uh, is a uh, streaming audio and uh, and uh, forecasting website uh, that uh, we do golf, we do NASCAR. Uh, we had a lot of uh, NFL draft uh, material in the days leading up to that. We'll do the same uh, as the NBA comes up, um, and I do a podcast on Wednesdays, sometimes on Tuesdays before major. Uh, it's called Prime Sports Golf. We did ours uh, this afternoon, uh, a little after lunchtime, and if you go to primesportsnetwork.com, uh, you can find me yammering on uh, for another hour uh, about golf, and particularly about the uh, uh, the FedEx St. Jude Classic that's coming up while we touched on some U.S. Open stuff, too. So uh, tune in uh, or uh, download the podcast, Prime Sports Golf at primesportsnetwork.com. And uh, we've already uh, spoken here with uh, Bob Herrig of ESPN.com, Steve Eubanks with Global Golf Post. And uh, last week we had a little conference, uh, a, a anniversary conference, actually, the 25th year of the International Network of Golf. Uh, big gathering uh, over at Mission Inn at Howie in the Hills, and we'll bring in Mike Jamison, the executive director of ING, uh, to talk a little bit about it. How you doing, Mike? Jeff, I'm doing really well. How are you today? Well, uh, we're we're trying to do our best uh, solo off the tee. Uh, I'm sure you've heard that, that Holly uh, uh, fell under the weather a little bit and uh, unable to make the show tonight, so... Uh, it's going to be just you and me for this segment, and uh, uh, I, I know I didn't get to see a whole lot of you last week as you were uh, running around uh, trying to make sure everything went off smoothly at Mission Inn. Well, yeah, I did enjoy the time we did spend together, but uh, I, it was a busy time. We had a lot of golf companies there and about four dozen members of the media like yourself, and uh, it turned out to be a really fine conference, I think, and I was sorry Holly got sick. We had a few folks that... Uh, I think there was a bug passing through at the end of the week there, and Holly fell b- victim to it, I believe. 
Yeah, I I think so. And uh, it, there, uh, we certainly had some some weather too. I remember it came down real hard uh, late Monday. Uh, kind of stranded us all a little bit trying to dodge yeah. raindrops, but. Uh, that was quite a quite a gully washer. And the, the thing about ING that uh, we, we spent a lot of time uh, on this show talking about tournaments and scores, Tiger Woods, the LPGA, um, all of that. But uh, there, there's that whole other side of golf, the business side, the recreational side. Uh, and, and that's where ING does uh, a really good job of allowing uh, people with products, people who uh, will help you uh, better manage your, your marketing, whether you're selling a product or trying to sell yourself like I am uh, as a freelancer to try and get together and, and make uh, make things work for both sides. Well, that's that's kind of what it's all about. It's how I got started 25 years ago, and it's kind of kept that thing throughout. And the interesting thing, Jeff, I think, is that the consumers, the folks listening to your show, benefit most from the business side of golf. I mean, they enjoy watching the tours and talking about the tours, but in the end, when they go out and play on the weekend at their club, they're using equipment and playing courses and um, finding designs that are interesting. All of that is encompassed inside the IMG, and our, our end purpose is to make the news and the information that's being passed on to the listeners and the readers uh, more accurate and more up-to-date. Yeah, sometimes I, I do wonder... Uh, how the golf consumer, the the guy that does go out and and play on the weekend once a month or whatever, how how he, much he realizes uh, what a uh, what an industry this is. Whether it's the people running the golf course, the people managing uh, the turf, the the people that sell the equipment, uh, or even you know selling you the latest uh, little gadget that's going to take a couple of strokes off your game. Yeah, that's really what they're interested in. In the end, they want to make their their game's better and their score's lower. And so the folks that come to IMG every year are there to help make that happen. And, boy, we have some great products at this year's conference, I thought. I hope you got a chance to, to try some of them out. Uh, I I did, but not as much as I as I'd like. I'll 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 give full disclosure here. I missed a lot of Tuesday's session, and that was the session that was on the range where you got a chance to try a lot of that stuff out. But uh, my laptop... Uh, was going into some serious, <laughs> uh, some serious freeze mode, and I was wondering uh, if I was going to have to start calling in last rights on the thing. So I, I did not get to maximize the conference like I had really hoped to. But uh, from from your standpoint, you know, what are some of the products that, that maybe did catch the biggest buzz out there? I do remember. Uh, well, I, I at first I wondered when I pulled into the parking lot, why is there a skateboarding van? in the parking lot for a golf conference, but uh, it's the latest in, in taking your clubs with you, right? That's true. I think the younger generation is really embracing the, the uh, golf skate caddy. It's a one-person golf cart, really, where you stand as you would, would stand on a skateboard or a surfboard, and you make your way from shot to shot with your bag attached. It was really well-received. I I looked at it, and decided to give it a try i thought it'd be really tough to stay on but it wasn't it was you really caught on fast and i think that's a product you'll see a lot more of um there was a one of the drivers that was introduced at the pga show was there the high heat driver and i think that created a ton of buzz it it, uh it's quite the technology dean knuth who's the hope of slope he, he he uh developed the slope system that we all use 
when he was at the USGA, and, and he spent the last eight years fine-tuning this high-heat driver, and it's built for amateur swing. So that one created a lot of buzz. And uh, one of your sponsors, I think, uh, Swing Click, uh, they finished second, tied with High Heat in the conference best product voting. Um, that's a great little training aid. And the winner was a, a putting training aid out of Tampa, a Razor Golf Sorcerer putting aid. It's a train. It's a laser. Uh, training aid that shows you exactly what your line is when you're over the putt. Most people misalign themselves when they're putting, and this training aid really straightened a lot of people out. And, and uh, putting seems to be uh, the issue for, for a lot of us uh, weekend hackers. And, and alignment, I, I think, is a lot of the case. I know you're not supposed to give tips or criticize your playing partner when you're out there, but sometimes you know, I'll look at, at guys I'm playing with and, and think they're not – hitting the ball at the hole at all. <laughs> it's true. It's deceiving as heck. It really is. Uh, you think you're lined up properly, but this laser on that sorcerer uh, showed you that you weren't a lot of times. Um, and there was Dennis Walters. I don't know if your audience is familiar with Dennis Walters. He was paralyzed from the waist down about 25, 30 years ago in a golf cart accident. He was an aspiring professional, but he has the most <clears throat> fantastic trick shot uh, show that I've ever seen, and he performed that at the conference as well, uh, really entertained a lot of people. Yeah, but Dennis Walters is an absolutely amazing story. I don't know how many times that I've had the opportunity to see his show, whether it's been at Doral or or uh, he's done it at the PGA Championship. He, he did it last week. It, it always amazes uh, how he's uh, been able to put that together and, and create a great career out of what could have been a really devastating situation with losing uh losing the function of his legs but uh a real inspiration uh for everybody and uh one other one other product that that i find interesting and maybe it's because uh there there's a youth function there and and i've got kids uh or i've got one kid left that's a teenager and that's the fling golf golf meets lacrosse <laughs> it's true i it sort of fit the whole adaptive golf uh, theme of our conference, as did Dennis, uh, but it is a it's you play the real golf course. You play right alongside golfers that are hitting golf balls with clubs, but you fling it like a lacrosse um, shot. Uh, that's the proper technology, and it goes uh, it goes up to about 240 yards off the tee, and and you play it right along, you even putt with it. So we had one of the fellows who brought that to the conference. Um, he played along in a scramble event with three other regular golfers and, and had a ball. ML Carr, former Boston Celtics, uh, great, is part owner of that company, and he was at the conference as well. But the adaptive theme was real strong throughout the conference. Our presenting sponsor was Freedom Golf Association, mm. which is a spokes arm for golfers with disabilities. And trying to bring those six million wannabe golfers into the game, we could really use the numbers. Yeah, and and uh, we are starting to see a lot more people that, that have come back from uh, from combat and and have uh, have suffered injuries in combat. Uh, they may not be able to play basketball or, or softball or things like that, and they've come to golf. and And it's really an, uh, uh, a portion of uh, of the sporting uh, group that we'd like to uh, that, that we'd like to uh, reach into. So. Uh, very good to see that. I see we're up against the break, so I will uh, have to let you go. But thank you uh, for joining us, Mike. And uh, next year's conference, uh, we got to go outside Orlando, right? We're going to Utah. 
Yeah, Heber Valley, Utah, beautiful site. So I uh, look forward to seeing you there. Yeah, definitely looking forward to uh, getting out west. So anyway, uh, that uh, brings us through three out of four segments of the Golf Insiders. We'll be back with Lance Ringler of Golf Week. We will recap the NCAA championships. This is 740 The Game. Well, I don't want to take all the credit for their talent, but uh, first I had to teach them to play golf. Then I had to teach them to sing, and then I taught them to play various instruments, none of which they do very well. I want my dream. Yeah, yeah, really not so lean and mean. I got good eyes and we're back for the final segment of the Golf Insiders for this uh, Wednesday, June 10th, 2015. Uh, we're hoping to get in touch with Lance Ringler from Golf Week. Uh, talk about uh, the uh, talk talk about the uh, NCAA championships that uh, were held out at the concession golf course uh, in Bradenton. Uh, great golf course, and I think uh, showed itself uh, to be very, very worthy. Uh, as a match play course, a couple of uh, really compelling weeks of college golf. And uh, if you didn't have a chance uh, to watch the women's final uh, on Golf Channel, and and, uh, for those that are regular listeners, they may recall uh, that we actually had Lance on uh, from uh, the 17th hole at the concession as the final match was uh, winding down uh, between uh, Mariah Stackhouse of Stanford and Haley Davis of uh of uh of Baylor. Well that thing went uh into extra holes and uh really really compelling. I went back uh later that night uh and watched it till something like one thirty or two o'clock in the morning the replay on golf channel and uh was really compelling television. And uh Lance Ringler I understand is now with us so we'll bring him in and he can talk about it a lot more fluently than I can. How you doing Lance? Good, how are you doing? I'm doing all right. Uh Holly G is uh uh, is under the weather, so it, you uh, you just have uh, just have me, Jeff Shane, PGA Tour dot com, and uh, uh, as I was uh, mentioning, I don't know when uh, when you jumped in there, but uh, I yeah. thought r- two really compelling weeks of golf, yeah. and uh, the women especially, but the men's side, we had a seventh seed in LSU winning as well. Well, the, yeah, the, the men's side, you know, good tournament, uh, a lot of good teams, women's tournament uh, overshadowed the men big time and it was way more uh, exciting lot the matches were uh you know you had the uh, semifinal match between duke and baylor where you had two girls who finished last and next to last in stroke play qualifying that after four rounds that the match came down to those two playing like seven or eight extra six or seven extra holes so uh and they you know one of them they, they had collectively shot 105 over par Ooh. for for four rounds collectively and they were making pars like you wouldn't believe. I, you thought it was Seve out there. <laughs> <laughs> so that was a great match. And then obviously the championship match, the way it unfolded uh, with Mariah Stack, with Haley Davidson, Haley Davis hitting a shot that made Sports Center's top ten plays. And then she goes on to lose the next, well, two holes to send the match to uh, sudden death. And then Mariah Stackhouse winning on the, the first hole, uh, extra hole. Yeah, it was it was really 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 exciting to watch for the first time. For the women and the men, you know, good tournament. LSU, uh, we've seen a couple number seven seeds win already. The number one seed has never won, uh, which is kind of a, a black eye on this format. You got a team that, that wins after 72 holes now seven times has never gone on to win the championship. So, you know, that's kind of different. But yeah, it, it was a good two weeks of concession, no doubt about it. 
it, it certainly looked that way uh, on, on television. I, I'm curious now that you've mentioned that uh, the number one seed has never won this. Do, do you think that that's indicative of the match play format, the depth absolutely. of quality, or okay? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's match play. I mean, you know, in match play, it's a, you know, a lot of people call it it's an equalizer. I mean, you know, you just you, you lose one hole. You know, rather than making an eight or a nine, which you can do out of concession, you just lose one hole. And it's like that everywhere. It's uh, in match play. How many times have we seen it with the World Golf Championships? Well, in fact, Jeff, you know, that probably has a lot to do with why the, they decided to make the format change this year for the, for the match play championship and go into the, the World Cup style of soccer, you know, the, the pods and, mm-hmm. and whatnot. It was because how many times have we seen top seeds all get beat on the first day yeah I, i've and, been at many of those uh, uh of those black wednesdays where we lost tiger and phil and ernie ells all in the same day right and so now in in college golf it's even it's 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 set up for almost complete drama and and it's almost like a coin flip because you only have five points and all it takes is two or three matches for an underdog they don't have to win all five. They, you know, if, if it was something where there was maybe depth was involved and there was eight players, well, then the deeper teams, the stronger teams are going to win. But in this particular circumstance, you get one guy that pulls an upset, then you get your one favorite to win. You got two points already. All you need is one of the other three matches to flip, and anything can happen. And that's, that's what's happened here. You've had, like I said, seven times the team that's won the stroke play qualifying, which in almost all those seven times has been – the best team in the country or one of the top two or three teams, that team has never gone on to win in match play. No, well, one of these years, I suppose the, it'll break that. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> this LSU team, I, I was reading, almost didn't get to the concession. They had to make up a huge deficit, wow. didn't they, in, in the in the regionals? Yeah, you're not a kidding. They, uh, with nine holes to go, I believe it was North Carolina State. All North Carolina State had to do is maybe shoot like one or two over par on the back nine. And, and LSU wouldn't even wouldn't even had an opportunity. They uh, yeah they but to LSU's credit, they did battle back and uh, got the job done when they needed to, to to grab that fifth and final qualifying spot at the at the Yale at the Yale golf course. So um, yeah, they you know almost didn't even make it. So it's a great story from that standpoint. Yeah, it, it uh, there's your national champion right there, and they almost didn't make it. Sometimes you see that right. you know in the base in the basketball or the baseball. As well, I think right. for those that that follow junior golf, we've seen a lot of great stuff from Mariah Stackhouse. We know how talented she is, uh, but I I'm curious, and this is for either men's or women's. Who do you think out of the groups that we saw uh, these past two weeks, maybe the next to to make their pro mark? Uh, you know, whether it's you know uh, the type of a Patrick Rogers or a uh, a Stacy Lewis, you know, coming out of Arkansas. Well, it's it's tough on the it's tough on the women's side because most of the time, Jeff, your four year players or your you know, your players that are in college, you know, there's if they're if they're if they're already good, they're pretty much have gone to the LPGA tour already. So yeah, true. not to take any not to take anything away from you know what Stacey Lewis accomplished and other players who played college golf for three or four years, but you, you quickly would look at the men's game. You know, Bryson DeChambeau is. is is one of those players, uh, you know, the John Rom. Wow, you know, the, he's mm-hmm. he's already has top ten on the PGA Tour. So some of those guys, um, you know, it, it, the, the the men's college golf game is just littered with future players. I mean, look right now on the PGA Tour, and look at any given week, your your leaderboard. If you go down through it, 
it's guys who played college golf in the in maybe the last four to six years. Yeah, they're, they're just everywhere. They're, they're great graduating everywhere. class uh, if they had actually stayed in with Rogers and Spieth and Daniel yeah. Berger and and Justin yeah. Thomas and and yeah. so. The, and yeah, there's just so so many of them, yeah. It's a it's it's really turned to be a a great proving ground, and and I think I, we've gotten a chance to see that. Absolutely, I mean, I've called for years. I've called it the the best mini tour in, in the world. <laughs> I mean, it's you know, and it's it's not only the some of the best. Look look how many guys in college golf went to Monday quali- qualifying for the U.S. Open and got their cards. Yeah, or not their cards. Got a, got the, got a spot in the U.S. Open. Yeah. Look how many guys did that. I mean, it's I mean, ten, twelve guys maybe just fresh out of college went and, and got a got a spot in the U.S. Open. I mean, they're just so good right now at that level, and uh, it's just it's it's fun to be around and fun to watch. And, and that's where the you know that's where they're at right now. It's it's really good to see because it, it used to not be like that. It used to take a long time for a kid who finished college to find a path at a PGA Tour and. and they figured, they're figuring out how to do it a lot quicker nowadays. Yeah, 15 amateurs Monday qualified for the U.S. Open uh, on, on Monday. So uh, uh, we are think. seeing them now. Uh, Lance, we are coming up yeah. against the top of the hour. I have right. to make way for the next show. But thanks, as always, for coming on and recapping it for us. No problem, Jeff. Have a good one. And uh, that was Lance Ringler of Golf Week, uh, the assistant editor there. Also, thanks to Mike Jamison of the International Network of Golf, Bob Herrig of ESPN.com, and uh, Steve Eubanks of Global Golf Post uh, for uh, putting up with, uh, with the pinch hit solo uh, host uh, this week. Uh, again, this is Jeff Shane with uh, PGATour.com. And uh, and Globe, uh, I'm sorry, about uh, PrimeSportsNetwork.com. You can find me talking more golf at PrimeSportsNetwork.com. We have the podcast up. And uh, thank you, thanks to, to Holly for letting me sit in. Get well so that we can uh, tag team this again next week. This has been the Golf Insiders on 740 The Game.